and welcome to your daily gang face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon here with Lou Blasey, who is yelling at me. I'm not yelling at you. You yelled at me. <laughs> no. I'm just having a conversation. <laughs> well, anyway, so good You're morning. You're just so frustrated with my I don't know answers. Well, because I don't know is lame. Is it? In this context, Sometimes I don't, it's accurate. I don't know is lame in this context. I don't know in therapeutic context is fine. But that was not the context. I don't know. I don't know is not a reasonable answer for my questions. Okay. So, how are you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is not a good yeah. thing. Yeah. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. See, I always, I always asked about that because, you know, I never see you in between, right? So then yeah. I get to this point and then it feels like, oh, it's Monday, but it's really Wednesday. And so like the weekend is already like gone and we're already into the next one. And But you have to really recall that. I'm trying to remember if anything happened on the weekend. Just... Well, I went to Vermont. Oh, you did you? I did. Remember, oh, that's right. Remember I went to Vermont? Not to your I... hometown, but not home. Right. 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 Which is going to be about, I mean, the topic is going to be about boundaries today. Yeah. Okay. But before we get there. So I went to Vermont. It mm -hmm. was, it was my dear, lovely friend, Ellen's 60th birthday. We had a fantastic time. Nice. It was a beautiful day up in the mountains of Killington. Oh, okay. And um, I was going to say orient me because I don't know where in Vermont you are. But... It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful weekend actually. So I've been, it was from ocean last week before that to mountains to, you know, summer, but that's you. That's what you do. That's what I do. I jump yeah. around. So yep. the week before I was big catting a little bit. Oh, see, you didn't see, give us any of that before. I didn't. That's new I didn't information. Tell. Yeah, that's right. Because you know why? Because then when I tell, then people know I'm gone. <laughs> I tell you afterwards. Yeah. Right. It's just like why I don't post social media while I'm gone. Yeah. If ever, <laughs> as you know. No, but you didn't tell us afterwards. Oh, maybe you didn't tell me before. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think I yeah. mentioned it. So, but I, yeah. But yeah. I, you did said a whole you were away. You just wouldn't tell us where. Right. Well, because yeah. I was away shutting off. Remember, I was doing the boundary thing, okay. of yeah. making sure that I did some time away. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, so I was up in Vermont this weekend. It was very lovely. I went to the perimeter of my hometown, didn't actually go into my hometown this time. I did not cross over. By the way, the people next door are mooing. Can you hear them mooing? I just heard the moo, yeah. They're mooing. Yeah. So for all my listeners that cannot hear the buffer of the soundproofing, which is not working, yeah, well. the show next to me that's on air is mooing. And clearly the on-air blinking light is not pertaining to them maintaining any kind of non-mooing behavior towards my show. Non-mooing behavior? Yes. <laughs> okay. The yeah. boundary is not working. Yeah. The theme of the show, the boundary is not working. They're done at 10. They're done in 12 minutes. <sighs> well, the mooing yeah. didn't distract me. Yeah. So anyway, as I was saying, I didn't go into the perimeter. I went to right up to the edge of my hometown, which is like, if you're in Vermont, it's like, you know, crossing like one farm stand to the... I was going to say, yeah. But anyway, it was um, it was lovely. And Did you draw was, a line in the sand. Like, I'm, uh, I'm well, not going. Not there. in the sand. It would be a line in the farm. A line in the farm. The line of sand. Would Proverbial be the beach. sand. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, a line across the pumpkin patch. Yep. In my little hometown of Rutland. Oh. Rut Vegas, as I call it. Rut Vegas. Did you under? Did you ever be? Did you ever be? Did you ever go to Rut Vegas? I think I've been in Rutland. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. I always call it Rut Vegas yeah. because it's very Vegas-like. 
but not on really. A, on a well, Vermont scale. When I was, when I was, well, <laughs> yeah. it's not really Vegas. Like, well, yeah. we do have the big Rutland State Fair, which is woo, the yeah. highlight of the, yeah. you know, the whole summer coming up, I think in two weeks. But in Rutland, the fantastic place that it is, when I was growing up there and not much has changed, it's literally bar, restaurant, bar, bar, <laughs> laundromat, bar, Ooh. pizza joint, bar, pizza, McDonald's, bar, <laughs> pizza. I mean, you just, it's like the pattern. There are many bars, many pizza joints. See, why are there no combined laundromats and bars? Good question. I think that would be, I, I'm sure there is somewhere. Yeah. I'm and sure on that's top a great of that, business model for someone somewhere. I've always had that idea. Plus, lately it's been, we need a Planet Fitness with, laundry, with washing machines in it. A Planet Fitness with washing machines? Yeah. Laundry, gym. I see so many things wrong with that and going wrong with that. Just just thinking about the Planet Fitness that I utilize, yeah. I I don't know if I would be able to maintain my membership. Something to do while you're waiting for the laundry to be done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. But then if you don't have a membership to the gym, no, you can't just, just for come the and do laundry because no, there's a lot the of interesting members. characters. Huh? Yeah. No, just for the gym members. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get it. Well, it would be beneficial to some of the people that are on the treadmills next to me that smell like God's <laughs> gift to hell. There you go. <laughs> My, it's very funny. I mean, as we are clearly digressing on these little tangents... When I go into my gym now, because it is a Planet Fitness, the staff knows who I am, right? But they know most people, but yeah. they definitely know who I am. And I have very specific treadmill. So they always, as soon as they walk in, they turn their heads to see if my treadmill is, is open. You have a specific treadmill. I do have a specific okay. treadmill. Yeah. And sometimes they'll even put the out of order on it, knowing that I'm coming in because, you know. I, I know I'm going to regret asking, but why? <laughs> <laughs> because I really like this treadmill and it keeps me away from there are like 50 others just like it yep but no 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 this yeah. treadmill because it's exactly where i need it in front of the exact television sets oh, that i, I need to catch up on my day there's I five see. tvs that yep. i span and i'm on the treadmill a long time so i need my entertainment factor right you. um but uh, they always look and they they cringe when they see that it's someone's on it so they try to time it for me so they can put the sign on it to say you know hey no one um, and then inevitably, and this is where I am saying about my, you know, they always are laughing because inevitably I get the guy who is the runner, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have never been a true runner before, been around runners, there are certain types of runners who never wash their clothes, but they just run in them. And then I think they take them off and then put their regular clothes on, but then they just put their dirty, yucky running, smelling clothes put on. Put them in a the bag, yeah. And there is a distinct odor that is so gag reflexing that it kills me. So they try to help buffer me from that because they know how much it bothers me. <laughs> because I'm, I'm like, Ugh, I have yeah. that Bleh. as I'm running along. It's one of those things. Hey, so I have my that, issues too. What? It's that crowded at your Planet Fitness that there are people next to you. Um. So last night I had the entire road to myself. Yeah. But then. There'll be, you know how it's like you park your brand new car in the back of the parking lot yep. so that no one can hit you. And then you come out of the store and there's 17 cars around you because, you know, yeah. I can go on a row of treadmills. There'll be nobody there. And inevitably, the one person that's going to be on the treadmills with me will stand right next to me. See, that's And a, they smell typically. That's, that's a psychopath right there. <laughs> 
That's a sign, <laughs> sign of a psychopath. It's lack of boundaries. This I, is my point. I hate that. I hate I, that. And, and well, and my thing is, you got I'm, four. You like got you four got machines. Why are you standing next to me? Why are you doing this next to me? And then well, the guy and, who coughs. And coughs so you could not only is it there, but then I go to the beach. The same thing happens at the beach. The beach. How big is the beach? You see the beaches we go to here. They're enormous. Yeah. You got lots of room. Why do you have to put your crap on my border of my stuff and then walk over it with your sandy feet? Why? Oh, yeah. Why is that necessary? Yep. It's a border issue. Again, <laughs> so, psychopath. This is, see, I'm on, I'm on the roll. I'm leading in today to my topic. Which Lack is of empathy. About boundaries. We have no empathy in a society anymore. I have no empathy. No, we have no empathy in a society anymore. Um, I, in general. I, I don't think as a society as a whole, well, maybe, I don't know. There's, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's not the empathy piece as much as it's a lack of awareness. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an in inward looking, non insightful, self-consumed, I'm going to put myself right here, despite the fact that your stuff might be there yeah. to the point where I've even seen people move stuff. Like, oh, I want to sit there and they'll move people's stuff over. I'm like, wow. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, I have stories. Wow. I have many stories no. of boundary crossers. You don't so do that. like when I go to the beach, so right, we it's I do this at the gym. I actually did this at the gym last night. When we go to the beach, we make sure that we put a perimeter. <laughs> I get a big blanket. So there's the start of the perimeter. Yeah, military guys so builds a then perimeter. We put, then we put like anchor bags so that it big it makes it bigger space yeah. and then chairs and there's only usually two of us sometimes three whatever but we make the biggest possible space so that the boundary is so large that anyone that comes by you know because there's nothing more fantastic than someone coming by and kicking sand at you because they can't just move 10 yeah. feet further away yeah i know i'm just complaining but it's about boundaries yeah right Right. And like so last night at the gym, I'm in the back room, Planet Fitness. You know, they have the two back rooms where you can do your stuff. Yep. And I'm doing these like 25 minute like uh body workouts. Have my little space. There's this whole big space. But of course, this man and woman together as a couple needed to come over and cram themselves in between me and the wall. Yeah. And do all of their workouts. She had a ball. He had a roller. They were doing like all kinds of stuff. They brought weights over. And there was 50 feet the other direction. Really? Because in mine, there's no space there. It's like it's hard to find any space whatsoever. In yours? Yeah. Oh, well, for some reason last night, mine was totally empty except for the, where they uh, crammed themselves in. See, that's so I giggled wrong. to myself because in thinking of my show today, which I was already going to do on boundaries and a variety of different pieces of what boundaries are and how important they are in your life and functioning business and romance and friendships and everything else. Right. I was like, Oh my God, the physicality boundaries of people and the lack of awareness. Yeah. So yeah. it inspired me to even solidify that my topic today is going to be about talking about boundaries. <laughs> and most people like, I bet you, when I ask you this, you'll say exactly what I think you're going to say. What is the purpose of having a boundary? Uh, I know exactly the purpose of having a boundary. Purpose of having a boundary is to, to um, it's self-care. It's, it's, okay. It's keeping people from taking advantage of you. Okay. So on, on varying levels. So, 
Okay, so yes, those are pieces of having a boundary, which are excellent answers. So Hi, Shirley from Brazil. Most people, oh, I have to read the hello, hello from Brazil, Shirley. Thank you for joining me from out of the country. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a boundary. Why are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at Bruce. Oh, I didn't read Bruce's comment. Yeah, hold I on. I fish in the ocean. Another boat will pill ten feet for me. I'm in the effing Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> 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 this is what i'm saying yeah. i fish in the ocean and another boater will pull, pull up is what he meant but... oh my god i got it i knew it was pull up oh my god it's so true more psychopaths so true yeah, yeah okay i lost my train of thought where was i, I was boundaries talking... the purpose I know. of boundaries oh, the, the de okay so so what most people do is they think of boundaries in the negative way like keeping something out it's a border yeah but what the true definition is 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 that you're it's what you're setting up to allow the right kind of people or the right kind of experience or environment to enter into your space. Uh, okay. See? Yeah. See? Cuz we go right to the negative. Now that doesn't mean that those pieces those pieces that you said are absolutely true about boundary setting because you have to have those because why why is it healthy? It's healthy to take and set a boundary because people take advantage. If you don't set a boundary, people will take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. um, the more they do that, the more it gets reinforced, the more likely they'll do it more. You're so training you people how to deal with you. You got to be you got to be aware of that all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, okay. So let's go with that working definition that boundary setting is a healthy thing in that you're not just doing something to keep people away, right. but you're keeping the line so that you have healthy things within the space that you choose. It gives you a sense of empowerment and self-advocacy and self-advocacy to allow what come what you want in front of you versus what you don't want. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, societally, we are raised across the board to have that permeability. Right. And some more than others, but um when you have, a, I mean, this leads to so many psychiatric and mental health issues for people, anxiety, especially when we're raising children to not speak up for themselves and not have self esteem and speaking for them and doing all the things that really go poorly for them or permissive parenting, indulgent parenting, authoritarian parenting, mm. which is the military style, right? Now, the best kind is authoritative, which is high in warmth and high in task. But mm -hmm. we that's not on this that's not on this <laughs> show because that's not about yeah. this. Um, but it would be if if those are boundary setters, that's where you get them. But most people are trained by those other types of parenting styles. That doesn't mean the parents are to blame. It means that the environment that you're growing up in is, is a catalyst for you to continue down a path of getting you you get trained into having people walk on you you get trained right. on into saying yes not no you get trained into um you see this in work environments all the time so we have i'll split it out work romance relationships friendships family life yep. etc you but you see this in in those in those work relationships you'll see someone work extra hard extra hard extra hard thinking that they're going to get a payout more than what, you know, someone's going to appreciate them more. Someone's yeah. going to think, oh, they work so hard. But the psychological phenomenon is, is that the harder you put in, the more you put in, 
the ex with the expectation that's already there that you're crossing over your own line of how you're doing your job. Right. People don't then say, hey, you're doing more than you need to. You can just back down and have a rest. No one does that. Right. They become expectant that you're going to continue to do that. And when you don't, they get disappointed. And then you, because you're trained into this, feel guilty mm -hmm. that you feel that they're going to not like you. They're going to think that you're not good. You're not as, ex as expertise. You're not professional, whatever it is, because you get into this loop instead of just saying, I'm going to do my job to the best of its ability. And I will say yes to things and I will say no, but do not have the expectation that if you do more, you're going to get more. Mm -hmm. And so many people have that and they cross over their own boundary because you know, they're trying even, to create a self-worth in right. the appreciation from the other person as right. opposed to self-worth in the accomplishment of what they're doing. Right. Yeah. And it's that seeking, internal versus external. Right. So it's that seeking approval yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but I think work environments are so when you see adults, you see, you know, work adults really over the top going at it, going at it, going at it, thinking that they're going to get this, you know, whether it's a bonus, whether right. it's, you know, extra time off, someone giving you the add a boy or add a girl, but it doesn't come. And then the frustration and the resentment and the hurt feelings and the disappointment come because you've raised your bar so high for the expectation that somehow you're going to get this love, reverence, respect, yeah. affection, whatever. And the truth is when you go normal, you get dinged. Right. Yeah. Because you have now raised your bar yeah. so high. The expectation is that that's way below par. Yep. So they're going to and then you feel bad because you think you're, you yourself have done something wrong. But the only thing you did was you crossed your own boundary right. and allowed people to permeate back over into yours and take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. So in that condition, it's like, OK, work. And that's one of the most common ones in work. I hear that a lot in my practice, you know, about people crossing over their their work boundary. So so let's back it up to. Um, we talked about the definition, you know, it's not just about keeping people out. It's about what mm -hmm. you want in, in healthy ways. But the first thing I tell people around boundaries is where do you think you need them? So where would you think, Lou, that people need to have boundaries? I think you just hit on one expectation mm -hmm. is one of them. Um, interaction in terms of person you know whether you're being personally demeaned that type of thing um control mm -hmm. just basic control over your situation okay you need so, to maintain a certain level of control so if i were to give you like a like a wellness wheel of boundaries okay and you had to make like a pie chart you know or pie of yep. those wheels where would you where would you say here i'm gonna put you on the spot where would you say that you need to shore up your boundaries? Be careful. This might get you in trouble. <laughs> I just thought of that. I'm like, oh, this could go down an interesting path for you. Yeah. Um, personal attack. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from like any like, Actually, work. the way people interact with me. Okay. You know, so, sometimes they go over the line and, you know, it's just treat me with a little bit of respect. Uh -huh. you, you you need something that's fine. You disagree with me, that's fine. But treat me with a little respect. Don't make it personal. Okay. So that's a good point. So when you can identify really where a spot is that you really have a boundary challenge area, mm -hmm. a growth edge or a weakness. I never like using that word, but yeah. where that is, the vulnerability that you have is is 
more about what you're doing to set it up to help yourself versus what other people are doing to you. Yeah. So many times people say they that they've done it to me, it's happening to me, all those things. But a boundary, like you were just saying, is if you set up an expectation around you, like a bubble that you you require respect, you know, you know that you set out a line where it's acceptable and tolerable for someone to come to that line and where it crosses over and they know that because it's really clear, then that makes your life so much easier. Um, It's important to do that from the beginning though, because as I said, you're constantly training people how to deal with you. Right. A lot of it is because people will treat you that way because you accept it. Well, and people treat you that way because you accept it, but you're also trained into accepting it because you're supposed to be the good doobie. Yeah. You're supposed to be the, that makes you a good person. Right. Um, and, you know, well, we go into the religious aspects of this, but certainly I can say as a Catholic, growing up Catholic, it was beaten into me mentally, not physically, but it was beaten into me by the priests and the nuns all the time growing up in Catholic church that to say no is a sin. <laughs> Like, and to I say remember no. to yeah. say no to someone in authority. I'm glad it? I left the church. When I, did. I know. Well, <laughs> but this, I mean, this yeah. is like the interpretation piece, right? So growing up as a child, if you said no to an authority figure, you were disrespectful and a sinner. Okay. So there's a message. Yeah. Like, so I, with say 200 other kids in my class, were all taught this message. Now, how they interpreted it, I knew that it landed on me funny funny not haha but funny like ew yeah even as a young kid like six and seven i remember it was like first second grade i was like that's not right um but it sort of went in line with the tenant the tendency for the sport i was in had yeah really poor boundaries (laughs) you weren't allowed to have boundaries well as an athlete at the level i was at there were you had no words, you had no say, you shut your mouth, you did. And if you didn't, then you got punished by having a consequence of doing extra work. So I was constantly, like many people, trained constantly to keep my mouth shut, suppressed, oppressed, both as an athlete, a gymnast, um, a female, a human being. So there were lots of pieces like that. But for some reason, I knew that there was a boundary that I could put out there and that it was coming. (laughs) It's like I was biding my time, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it was interesting because on one side, I had that going on. And within the same group of people, the same group of people that were telling me I wasn't allowed to do that, even if it was just subtle, I was also being told, stand up, advocate for yourself. Don't let anyone walk on you just as long as it wasn't with them. <laughs> Except me. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very conflictual. Yeah. Like, you can do it, but not with me. Right. right? So. Yep. You know, um, you can say no, but not here. You can say yes, but not there. You can, yeah. you know, speak up, but now you're being fresh to me, but you can't. That's the parental model often. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. there we go. You yeah. know, um, well, that's very much the authoritarian more, you know, say as I do, not as I, yeah. you know, say, do as I say, not as I do. Remember so, when you did the affection connection show and there was, yeah. a, there was a question about a, a child wanted to put a lock on the door. Right. And it's like, in a way, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, it's like, good, stand up for yourself a little bit. But, you know, you got to come to some negotiation with that. Well, there, but, right. There has yeah. to be a middle ground. And and that's. I but think you don't that, just you don't just stamp them down and say, no, you're not putting a lock on your door. Well, I, I and I think that. 
I think so many times in, in my field, I see parenting boundaries be sitting at the extremes. Yeah. It's either all or right. nothing, yeah. all in or all out. And the balance in between, which is the authoritative, which is I expect X amount and I still give you praise, even if you don't hit that bar, as long as I know you're trying, whatever. There's no, there's not a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of punitive, consequential. Right. It's, it's feedback that progresses you, not criticism that detriments you, right? And it's not absolute. It's not, not in my house. Right. It's not it's, that type of. Right. You know, or, right. or messages like, um, you know, everything that happens here stays here. Like that's yeah. not healthy, you know, cause you're teaching someone to hold. Kids should be seen and not heard. Right. Yeah. And so there's so many messages that we learn so early about boundaries that we don't even realize. So in saying that, like, I, as you know, I work with many people in addiction and with trauma from war and natural things, right? And sexual abuse and things like that. But just going to the addiction piece, time and again, and anybody that would hear this show will probably agree, and all my classes agree about, that when you have addiction that's active, it has no boundaries. Because yeah. you're constantly crossing back and forth with the ism, this, the 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 alcohol, the drugs, the gambling, the sex, the overeating, the undereating, the whatever, the the overexercising to the point of like whatever anorexia, whatever. The ism is the symptom of the problem, and that's that's just you know it's a it's I drink because I'm putting out the fire of my life. I drug to numb myself from the craziness of people doing things that are bad to me, whatever it is. I have. X amount of sex to make myself feel better and self-soothe because I feel so lonely. So those are the symptoms of the problem. But the underlying problem when we strip it all back is always, amongst other things, but it's always about a boundary cross that has been consistent over time that people typically are very unaware of because they see it so blankly as I have a problem with this substance or this thing and then i have to stop it okay but then what do we do once we stop the problem the, the irony problem, of this is that the, the band-aid the irony of this problem is that the addiction itself has knows no boundaries and right and that's you, and, you're and be, searching for a boundary or your boundaries and been crossed and yeah and the boundary comes with when the person hits their bottom mm -hmm. why and when people always say well what's your bottom Mm, there's the head scratcher. That's when I can say, I don't know. Yeah. Because for you or me or whoever, the bottom is different for every single person. I have, I was just teaching this in my class last week that I have clients who have relapsed and been in rehab 14 and, or 32. I'm picking two numbers from the past couple of years, 14 times and 32 times, 32 times wow. in one yeah. year, in one year, in one year. And yeah. My thing is when I step back, step back, I go to boundaries in my head. What boundary is not being set to help this person progress, right? So there's a boundary there, but the boundary has got perme permeability. Something's crossing over that once the person gets detoxed. So if people that are listening don't understand this, when a person has the ism, like alcohol, drugs, gambling, porn, all those things, they go into they go into detox, not rehab first. They go into detox for 6, 10, 12 days. Right. They get cleaned up, so to speak. And then usually there's supposed to be a plan in place of 
better resources, better out in the community, attachment to groups, attachment to therapists, um, family planning, like all kinds of different things in the best of terms, because it all contains boundaries. Unfortunately, what we do, I don't, but what we do as a collective still in, in the old school medical model is you, we call it spinning them dry, sending them back out into the exact same environment yeah. that had the boundary crosses. The person lives two houses down from the packy. The person has to drive to their place of employment and go by the gentleman's club. The uh, people are all stuck at home and the increase in porn use has been skyrocketing and it's a multi-billion dollar business because, they, because there's no boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's open. You know, yeah. So what has to happen is we have to really teach about first awareness of the boundary that gets crossed to make your self-esteem feel so hit that we go to the extremes to endlessly try to find a way to fill the void of the boundary that has been missing. Yeah. Or we just start saying, let's let's get rehab recovery based in our head, which is put boundaries down. I can't go to my parents' house because that party's going to have everyone doing these things and I'm not ready to be in front of that. Most people, I, not most, I have so many stories over the past 26 plus years of people coming out of detox and going right to like a 4th of July party <laughs> and then being right back in it after six days of being sober or cleaned up and then they're right back in the... Yeah boundary cross environment of everyone going well what's one drink gonna do what's one smoke of the joint what's what it's and what happens is not that the person doesn't have willpower it's never about willpower it's about it's the habituated pattern of the boundary cross that puts the person into the guilt feeling there's so many moving parts to that of well i feel guilty if i say no or i'm going to be you know uh, shunned or people are going to be like oh what's his problem or what's her problem and it's about teaching that you are allowed to say no. And then you have to be able to sit with the feeling that it feels terrible that someone might be upset with you. Yeah. And there's where the crux of the problem really sits for this kind of stuff is when you set a boundary of saying, I don't want that in here. I want it. I want here. I want you in my life, but I don't want that yucky stuff over onto this side. People get mad. Yep. And and that's why I designated out the real definition for how I use it at the beginning yeah. is it's not about keeping people out and away, which sometimes has to happen, but it's really about who are you allowing or what are you allowing into your space so that you don't get emotionally annihilated, you don't get taken advantage of, you don't lose your self-advocacy uh, or your self-esteem and self-worth um, so that you have a more successful end of your day and beginning of your day because people respect that you have said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And it's okay to say that. And it's like, okay. So, you know, I mean, it happens, it happens to me all the time. People will say, oh, I, I'm not able to do that. Okay. Now, interesting. I will say, because you know how my schedule is, I'll say to people, I'm sorry, I won't be able to see you for four or five, six months. 90% of the time, people are like, I want your wait list. I'll go on it, whatever. But on occasion, mm -hmm. I get at least at least once a week i get a what do you mean i need a therapist i need to see so i i understand that however yeah. i can only do so many things in this time frame and i've had to be really good you've seen yep. how much my my um over the past few years it, i was already busy but it's like expanding 
the no rate for like, no, I can't call you right now. No, I can't text you right now. No, you can't have an appointment right now. Yeah. You know, or I, I can't, it's 10 o'clock at night. So, so one of the, I'm kind of bouncing a little bit. One of the um, ways of managing work boundaries, just go back to work for a second, is um, having a really specific start and stop time especially because the pandemic when people's boundaries got really screwed up because people were home. So now you have work and home together at the same time. And you've got kids running in and out. You've got someone ringing the doorbell. You've got people calling. Yep. You've got your your spouse or your friends that are living with you, like knocking on the door, walking in saying, can I get tape? Like <laughs> right? all these things yep. happen. And so the work life boundary is so incredibly um, changed um, but yet so similar because you're actually having to say, here's my start time. Here's my stop time. Yeah. Um, people feel, I, I have one client right now. I have many clients uh, that are like this. I have one specific that stands out. She notoriously will tell people she's going to answer the phone starting at eight in the morning. And then she will answer up until 10, 11, not because she said it, but because she does it. So what is it doing? It's allowing people to know that she's able. Yep. But the problem is then when she doesn't respond, they get mad at her. And then if it's not within a time frame that they feel is necessary, then uh, for them to get the response back, then they get mad. And then they either schedule with someone else or they do something else in the field that she's in. And then, be, and then they'll tell her when she finally responds, Oh, I scheduled with someone else because you weren't available and you didn't text me right back kind of thing. Yeah. What I've said to her is, and this is what I do in my practice. And, and I have some people that go over the boundary, but I am clear with their boundary because I have some clients that I allow to do certain things yep. because they don't abuse the right. Um, but in her case, it's, I said 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. is your start and stop time. And anything that comes before 9 a.m., you will not answer until after 9 a.m. if you have the time in the day and you have to put that in your telephone messages and because you're setting clear rules. Right. Yep. And then your five o'clock hour, like she, you know, goes to seven o'clock on a Friday. She will not answer phone calls after 7.30, although her end time is 7 because she'll do calls from 7 to 7.30 if provided she has the accessibility and time or within the next 48 hours. So delineating out specifically what the boundary is so that if a person challenges it, which they will, you can say, unfortunately, I don't know if you heard my message, but I only answer calls between 9 and 5 if I have the availability. Yeah. If not, then I do it within 48 hours. What it does is it makes a person, it can make them upset, but it takes the onus off of you because you've already put it out there that this is what the expectation is. And it's, I'm sorry that you're upset, but it's really clear as the boundary. Right. And it's so it's so important in that work environment to have that particular thing so you can shut off and shut on what you're doing. And that definition is important because it keeps you from getting passionate about something. I remember telling a mother one time she was having trouble with her son who always negotiated. Yeah. And he was negotiating a certain thing. I don't know. I don't remember if it was bedtime or whatever. And I goes, well, what if he came to you and said he's not going to brush his teeth? You wouldn't invest in that conversation at all. You go, what are you out of your mind? Go brush your teeth. Right. And then that expectation would be clear. But there's a certain point where he feels he can negotiate. Right. So he's going to do it because you've negotiated on this issue in the past. 
be dispassionate about it. Don't make it a personal thing. It's like, what are you out of your mind? It's time for bed. Right. You know, you know, that type of thing. Well, maybe not that phrase if you don't think that's the right phrase, but that's the attitude. It's kind of, no, I'm not. I'm, well, usually my phrase to, to anybody that's been in my life that I have to give that message to is, okay, that's fine. Your teeth are going to fall out, but don't tell me about it. <laughs> Let's see. That's passive aggressive though. <laughs> but with them, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's funny. Cause I use the humor with it. And they know I'm like, I don't care. Your teeth are going to fall out and rot. Yep. And then and as a matter of fact, then one particular young person that I had that conversation with many times over several years ended up with like six cavities. So nonetheless, <laughs> there we have it. Sports yeah. fans, right? Action so, consequence. Yeah. So, but it was like, about, and so I, I'm not an, I told you so, but in this one, I was definitely on occasion. I was like, those but often but that when was youth, that was youth of, yeah. and, and it's, you know, you can only beat that dead horse of like, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. Did you brush your teeth? Do you know how many times I've told the kids in my life, brush your teeth? And they look right at me and said, I did. And I'm like, come blow on me. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> no, you did not. And they're like, ah. When someone is crossing your boundaries, normally they're looking for a response from you. Right. And usually they're trying to gain emotion. And again, they'll take negative if they can't take positive. That's exactly. fine. But so sometimes depriving them of that, Exactly. Emotional return is part of the training. Well, I think so much of the investment is in the guilt response. People cross boundaries to get you to feel guilty yeah. so that you will do what they wanted you to do in the first place. Yep. Um, that going back to the beginning, the type of parenting I was talking about, there's types of parents that feel that if you, if you don't do as I want you to do and you don't go along with how I think and how I feel and you have your own mind, that is a problem for their own ego yeah. because their boundary now is they're setting a parental boundary of, of a belief system of a way of thinking. And that if, you know, and this happens in all teenagers, teenagers come to the point where they have that aha moment somewhere between 12 and 15 of, Oh, my parents really are not as smart as I thought they were. They don't know everything. And I want to say many, many parents are really good at being able to navigate that. But there are many, the ones I end up seeing, because I see the selective ones that are not, that do not do well with yeah. the descent from the boundary of, I think this way, I feel this way, so you should too. And if you don't, then how dare you and how bad you are and how bad you should feel. And it's not necessarily that it's said that way, it's implied, which there lies a boundary cross. It's what is, is your intention I always say, you didn't intend to stab the person, but they are bleeding out. So yep. now what do we do? Right. Yep. But people will rely on, but that wasn't my intention. It doesn't matter that right. your intention was not to do that. And I would, I would argue that that's not true. Yeah. Your intention was there, but you just might not have been aware yep. of it because that's why you did it. You are used, you've been trained into getting what you need by utilizing maneuvering tactic to get what you need by making a person try to feel guilty because they said no. Or because they didn't do what you wanted them to do. So that happens in work. Yep. It happens in relationships. It happens in like just sometimes just normal kind of day to day interactions with people. Um, super, super unhealthy. And yet it's probably one of the most proliferated um, metastasized mental health issues that I see as a, as a seed across the line for most people is that I, you know, and that's what you, it leads to. Well, I, I am, um, I'm self-conscious about what other people are going to think of me. That's yeah. about boundaries. Yep. 
totally about boundaries. I mean, I can't tell you, I, th I think every single client I have will say, but I don't want them to be upset with me. Right. Because the person doesn't distress tolerate the uncomfortability of someone having an upset feeling. And then that leads to the boundary issue of, can you actually be upset with someone and still love them? People have a hard time making that yes. leap of, yeah. I can be loved and still have someone upset with me, or I can love someone or like them and have them be upset with me and no one's going anywhere. Yeah. But people get such the, and it's not to say this doesn't happen. So there's some validity to the facts of it that some people will leave. Some people will check out and be like, I'm done with a relationship, but I'm always of the mind to say that was supposed to happen. If people are supposed to be inside your boundary and they're there to be there for health, they're not going to just abandon ship. They're going to say, okay, I take your boundary and I stand on the line for you to not cross it. And I'll tolerate that because yep. I'd rather that than not. But then that I wouldn't have any people in my practice. if. Have I given you my example on the show, Yellowstone? Do you watch Yellowstone? I do. I yeah, we've well, we've talked about Yellowstone before, yes. Yeah. But I'm not sure what this example is. With uh, Rip and Kelly. Yeah. And they're there at the fence and they're having a disagreement yes. about the boy that they semi adopted. And uh she looks at him and she says, you know, I love you and I'll see you when I get back, but F you and she walks away and they both start laughing. And that's that whole safety element. It's like we disagree, we're having a little thing here, but it doesn't it's not a threat to the relationship or right. it's not a personal thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so the two mo most dysfunctional people we've ever met, by the way, I know, I know. <laughs> and they have this great, highly functional that moment. Is, that, yeah. that set of characters is yeah. quite something. Well, and I think I think when we talk about relationship boundaries, I see this in teenagers a lot. Um, teenagers. Unfortunately, girls more than guys, because um, everything I'm sorry, because everything in conflict triggers something personal. Yeah. And every conflict feels like it's personal attack. Right, because it gets so, interpreted that way because right. they've been trained into thinking that it's personal right. as opposed to looking at the rational, so that's realistic, usually, and reasonable side. That's, that that's the impossible. first response. Right. When you are attacked personally, you respond personally. Right. And then we, we're off on a whole thing. Well, you don't. Okay, so let's change the word. Remember, it's not responding. It's reacting. Okay. If you react, it's emotional. So if someone's reacting to you for saying no, for instance, or for saying I can't, yeah. or I'm unable to do this, or I don't want to do that, their reaction to your your response of no will be usually emotional yep. which will make because you, that was personal in their which mind. will make you interpret it yep. the way you interpret it which will then lead to if you're unhealthy which many people are to feel guilty ashamed terrible they'll switch their mind they'll just do it to acquiesce because they'd rather just make it okay and peaceful unfortunately what that does is sets you up for future being taken advantage of yep. it. it sets you up for relationships down the line. I watch, this is what I was saying about teenagers. I watch this notoriously. And if someone acquiesces, gives in over and over and over and sacrifices their own integrity to die on their sword because they don't want to have anyone upset at them. Just imagine how that sets them up for a relationship in the future. Yeah. So we see battered men and women out of those things, not just women, men get battered too for the same thing mm -hmm. um emotional um gaslighting and um interestingly enough and i've been talking about this as a concept recently with several of my clients both females and males when you lack boundaries 
or you lack the ability to set and hold a boundary consistently because you're so afraid of the reaction and response of not being loved, liked, or whatever. The person, um, the person oftentimes will just um, either retreat and isolate, disappear in mm -hmm. hopes that it will just go away and then they can reset somehow, or they will become, I call it the overachiever. They'll, they'll overachieve to please you. Yep. And then they don't respect their own boundaries, which leads to self gaslighting. Now people, I've not read anything about self gaslighting. There could be stuff out there, but in the past year or so, I've realized in my practice how many people perpetuate their own gaslighting from what they've been taught by being gaslit before. So for people that don't know what gaslighting is, gaslighting is, is a psychological emotional abuse that is very subtle, sometimes not so subtle, but typically subtle. Mm -hmm. It's passive aggressiveness. It's creating a self-doubt in someone I didn't say that you're hearing things. That's never what I meant. Yep. Um, you must be crazy. Like, so there's all these features. There's usually around 11 or 12 features that come with gaslighting that make you, they make you feel like you're being crazy made. They make you feel like you're going crazy. Like, wait a minute, that's not what happened. And people convince you that's what happened. Um, people will be really passive aggressive. Um, people will, uh, you know, say, yes, it's okay when they really feel it's not, and then yep. they lead you on. Like, so if you're interested in gaslighting, certainly look it up, but then think, how do we then, if we've been taught to be gaslit and we become passive, passive participants because we're afraid that other people are going to think poorly of us, we then do it to ourselves. So we're like whacking ourselves yep. when no one else is there to do it for us. We're doing the whole narrative in our head as if we're having a committee of non- non-named faceless people crossing over our boundary in our in our mindset in our tapes in our head going you're a terrible person why would you say no people are gonna not love you you'll never fit in yep. you'll never have any friends i don't want to rock the boat i don't want all these things and then you end up going wait a second i'm totally gaslighting myself and people don't look at it like that so i'm trying to did you see my screen is changing by the yes. way did you do that no, it just it lost connection for a second, oh, so I'm okay. trying to reconnect. So I've got this funky screen going. Oh, that's really pretty. <laughs> but wow. don't, isn't self-gaslighting commonly known as rationalization? Don't we rationalize things away? Um, no, I think that rationalization and minimization and justification and all those things are just your traditional... Um, if we think of Freud, they're your defense mechanisms. If we think of internal family systems, which is a contemporary, really excellent theory of like how to understand ourselves and our families. If we think of those terms, we think of those are, those are our, um, our, our managers. We have three sets of um, internal family system parts. We have many parts to us, but we have, we have our exiles. Okay, so you have to, there's going to be a little education. <laughs> Here we, we go. Our yeah. exiles. Yeah. Our exiles are our baby parts, our young parts, our ones that are damaged, hurt. Freud would call them the defense mechanisms, the things that come up and they defend us in that way. Then we have our day-to-day -day managers. So we have our exiles, the mm -hmm. ones that have tra been traumatized, the ones that have been hurt, the ones that have been taught that they can be boundary crossed and whatever. And then we have our managers. They manage our day-to-day -day life, good, bad, or indifferent. And then we have our firefighters. 
firefighters mm -hmm. as a part of us are, are the ones that come in and they make us feel better through saying yes all the time, drinking alcohol to excess, to self-soothe, using porn to, it's all the things that put out the hurt that the exile right. child, even in the adult self is feeling. So what happens is because the boundaries have been permeated, the whole goal of working on your parts, if you know them, is to bring them together because there are no bad parts. There are all parts that are needing to work together. But what we do typically is we compartmentalize those parts and we we try to put bad over here and good over there. And we try to keep a boundary instead of integrating them so that the self works with all the strengths of all the parts, even with the ones that are not so good, yeah. good as in they're not healthy. So when someone's really unwell, we work to integrate their unwell parts hmm. into their biggest wellness parts so that they can function together so they don't take us such a toll. And so boundary work is such an important thing. It's okay to say no. I mean, I, I work with that with a client right now that they constantly will say, yes, they're amenable to everything that I ask of them in terms of like, oh, I need to switch your schedule around. And I will say, you can say no to this because sometimes I have to switch schedule. And so they've gotten really good at sometimes they'll move for, you know, I have to have movement in my schedule sometimes. Yeah. And I ask, I'm not just one person, but I ask sometimes like, hey, something's come up. I need to move. And I've wanted her to say no more. Like I can't but I can do this time. So offering the alternative so she can take on the onus of, I need to have it move, but you can still say, no, I can do this. Yeah. It's like when your kid wants you to knock on the door and you come in, it's yeah. like, yay, <laughs> you mm. set up a boundary. Exactly. Let's work on it. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, so, so the boundary piece is, is really the quintessential mental health issue underlying anxiety, depression, um, bipolar disorder, panic, um, PTSD, alcohol, drug abuse, because um, boundary crosses are what really unseat our souls, so to speak. Mm, they really yeah. undo our internal sense of self-worth. And when you start setting a boundary and being okay with how it feels to sit with someone else's angst about it, yeah, it gets better it gets much better. So that's like when I go to, so I'll use my own thing. When I go to my hometown, now I've been in my hometown twice in a month. <laughs> right? You had a literal boundary. You wouldn't cross the city line. <laughs> uh, well, this time I didn't. Yeah. I was like, and the reason why, and this is important for me, right? It was, I knew that I had a physical anxiety come up that had I crossed over the actual physicality geographic boundary yep. that it wasn't going to feel good and it would take me time to recover. And I've been away from this for a long time and working on it. And I was like, Oh, I knew. So I just, and you're a professional and self-aware and huh. still, and right. this and is so how that, deep some of these things and are. And so that's what yeah. my, to the point is like, you could be, and I work in this, I'm entrenched in this and I've worked on this for years on like this whole boundary thing. Cause I had big boundary crossers growing up as you know, yeah. and I have no problem sharing my personal experience about the fact that boundary crossing is one of the biggest things gets people into like terrible, awful anxiety. Right. Um, but in order to not have my anxiety get really high and come home and have to reel for two weeks, which is, I mean, years ago, I, when I was like in my thirties, I'd go home be around people 
for a day or two. And then it would take me the better part of three to four weeks to come down off of it yeah. to be where my um, polyvagal, my, my psychological emotional regulator that runs from my brain to my stomach with all the chemicals that have to do with the hormones and everything else. Cause that's what it's based on. It took me three to four weeks to regulate that down. No matter how much exercise I did, no matter how much CBT I did, no matter, it was about calming it down. And when I finally realized that I accepted that I set boundaries and I was okay with what was on the outside and what was allowing on the inside, it was like a game changer. So I had to do that, that this weekend, I made an active decision not to go past that boundary physically mm -hmm. Because I knew that the last time I was there, I did go past it and it made me see, feel really anxious, even though I had no interaction, but it brought up all that stuff from before. So, so my question is, because I struggle with a lot of these same things right. where things linger with me for a long time. But if you are hyper aware and hyper trained in this, if you struggle with this, what hope is there for the rest of us? <laughs> well, see, I see now I look at it that first of all, I don't struggle with it anymore. I occasionally, all anxiety, right? All yep. anxiety always exists. It's a matter of what degree. Yeah. So 20 years ago, it was like, you know, like the monster and monsters Inc. that comes out and goes, <laughs> yeah. right. And now I can open up the door, look at that monster and go, yeah, see ya. Oh, yeah. Very different because I've been able to turn it around and look at it and go, it's not my, it's not my circus, not my monkeys and your monster. They can go down the hall. Cause not my issue Yeah, because I know just not taking it on. I just don't take it on. Yeah. And because I also set a boundary that I know is healthy. I have, and I don't need, um, I've worked hard just like many people do through self-actualization and doing lots of mindfulness based mm. practice and being wise mind versus non-wise mind, which is a wonderful dialectical behavior therapy concept, which is using your wise mind, which is the mind that gives you the reality and the realistic and the reasonableness of the situation versus that fantasy of what if, what will happen, what could happen, what's the worst thing that can happen, all those things. I use that space to be centered so that when it comes up, the hope is for someone to hear this and go, oh, she practices what she preaches. That's one of my biggest things. As you know, I function despite dysfunction because everybody has dysfunction. Yep. Nobody comes out of family without something. And I Especially have, those of us who were raised Irish. Right. Well, and I have, <laughs> right. Well, and I have, and I have, I have patients that will come in and say, yeah. I had an amazing family. That's my first red flag. I had an amazing yeah. family life. I'm in my head, in my head bubble going, mm -hmm. yeah, because within three or four weeks, I know that we're going to have a very different story because people present. Right. Two ways they present well because they've been trained that everything needs to look pretty with the bow on the front because that's just that. And also they present that way because they've been trained that they do not speak outside the home and let the secrets out because that then makes the facade look bad. And then people just, it's a very Plus, vicious Plus for me for a long time, I resisted you know, quote unquote blaming my parents because I'm, I'm an adult. I right. should be responsible for my own behavior. Right. At this juncture. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to accept that there are some influences. Right. Well, and, yeah. and it can be many different types of influences because there's lots of boundary areas. There's yeah. school, friends, teachers, coaches, yeah. parents, extended family, random people that you meet. Right. And 
coming up through. So yeah, and hopefully I mean, that's a mixture of very positive and, and sometimes negative. Right. And, and that's when, it, if you go back to many shows ago, I always talk about resiliency factors and there's usually you have a person that you get your emotional yummies from my grandmother, right? Mm -hmm. My grandmother was always my shore up around the edges for re emotional yummies because she would counter. She'd always go along with what I was thinking without me knowing she was going along with it. Because when I finally would test the boundary out to say, what do you think? She'd be like, you're absolutely totally on point. You're right. And however, she was always vilified as being the black sheep of like, cause she didn't go along with. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah. I way more identified with her because she was of the mind of, I not only set geographic boundaries, I set financial boundaries. I set emotional boundaries. I set telephone time at night to call me boundaries because she has family. She had God rest her soul. She had family members that, as you know, my cell phone boundary is don't call me. I, yes. And what do I do? I you call, call you. me. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Just because I love pushing that button because yeah. you answer for me. I do. But so, but this is, I mean, this is a common thing. Like, and I love using this to explain it in my class is that my grandmother would tell certain family members in my life, please do not call me after 10 o'clock at night because it revs me up and I have a hard time sleeping. Cause it's never, it, the calls were never, Hey, just checking in. How are you doing? Like yeah. whatever, have a good night, whatever. I can firsthand say that the call she would get, first of all, would be respected at 10 o'clock because they'd happen at 9.59. <laughs> Getting in under the 10, deadline, yeah. And they would last till 11. Yeah. And she would try, I would hear her, she would try desperately to get off the phone. Yeah. And then she'd be reeling and then I'd talk to her the next day and she'd be telling me all about these conversations she'd had and like couldn't sleep and all these things because... She tried to keep the boundary, but then it would end up in a fight, like because they were fighting or discussing that 959. So she would. I, so I told her, I said, this is in my 20s. I said, back it down to 930. Yeah. So she got it to go to 930, but we still went over into the 11 o'clock hour. So, you know, and, and that was on her. And she and I would talk about, like, yeah. you've got to hold your boundary. Like, right. I got to go. I have to go. But she was also that era, you know, back. And that was when she was in her 60s and 70s and 80s that women are supposed to be nurturing. They're supposed to be right. there. And so, like all this other cultural social stuff comes in. So it's, there's so many pieces to that, but it's really about giving yourself permission that it's okay to set your boundary. And if it gets crossed, it's okay to also say, unfortunately, I'm not able to do that. Not I'm sorry. Remember I'm sorry's are only for if you've done something wrong, mm -hmm. which usually have not. So unfortunately I, I'm not able to do that. Unfortunately, I have to say no. Unfortunately, I can't do that. Unfortunately, this is, this is what I have, but you know, so that you're being accommodating and negotiating yet you're still saying that is right. not going to work for me. So but I still I, want you here. We only have a couple minutes. I want to go back because you touched on what I think is a core mental health principle. Okay the most almost the most important mental health principle okay. and you talked about it as wise mind what was it wise mind and wise mind versus non-wise yeah. mind i always call it the observer position right and we've i've done this before where you know it's like what your mind is like walking your dog you're not your mind your mind is a biological machine trying to keep you alive right so it's constantly playing with you it's constantly raising your ranks it's constantly keeping you on alert it's constantly uh throwing threats at you it's a threat generator 
but you are not that mind. Right. And you have to find that separation between the two, no matter what you call it or how you do it. And there are a number of different modalities on how to do it. But being able to step back from that's not what I'm feeling. That's not who I am. That's what my mind is telling me. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And that observer position is very another way of describing that because then it's it's giving you the, the, the people, bandwidth to, to not yeah. be mentally doing mental gymnastics over things that are unnecessary. But people just react to their mind all the time. All the they time. don't understand because that there's a separation between who you are and what your mind is thinking. Right. Yeah. Right. Mind is a mechanism. It's an organ. Yes. The brain. I'm sorry. You, yes. Again, terminology is right. interesting here. Yes. But, yeah. Okay. So because I wanted to give some tips because everyone always asks me for tips. So I've got a whole bunch of tips that I wrote down for just like, you know, the importance of setting, you know, setting boundaries in your life. So I've got six or seven of them. Just I'll probably pull them together. But okay. So first of all, think about where you need to set boundaries. Do that wellness wheel of, you know, look closely at the areas of your life and where you don't feel balanced or where you feel over the top or, you know, whether your relationship feels off track or, you know, where your communication is breaking down with someone or that's where you work on that. Or if you're talking about addiction, thinking about like, okay, where do I need to put down a physical boundary? Maybe, maybe I need to move. So I'm mm. not near certain things. So you have to fit it to your pattern um, Two, decide which boundaries you want to draw and stick to one of the biggest failures. Um, and you learn from it, hopefully is that people will draw a boundary and then they are inconsistently sticking to them. They'll be yes. Sometimes no, sometimes because they're working on that internal uh, fear yep. of being liked or not liked. Right. So when you commit to setting the boundary, um, it helps you stay the course. I often tell people to write it down, put a reminder up that you're, you know, for yourself on your bathroom mirror, put it in your car, yep. on your stick, you know, on a sticky, like, you know, it's okay to say no, it's, you know, things like that. So that and you, you have no say, chance if the people around you don't understand your boundary, right? You have no chance. At that right. Point. And if they don't like your boundary, you have no chance either, because if you feel like you can't stay consistent or you feel weak and yep. vulnerable to it, it makes it really hard. So if you do this in order, it makes it a little easier. Um, here's the, here's the key to this, I think is to this piece is setting one boundary at a time. Sometimes people come in and try to set this big, overwash yeah. of boundaries like i'm gonna yep. put that person on my life i'm gonna do this different no just literally like one little stare one baby step as people people were funny last week they were saying i'm gonna i'm gonna bob wiley you because i was away here and there yeah. right from what about bob because <laughs> you know setting little steps at a time because yep. they were like i needed you and i was away and yep. you know that i wasn't telling people where i've been because I don't want Bob Wiley yep. following me and knowing where I am. Right. So it's, it's about really <laughs> taking those one boundary set at a time and don't make it too complicated. You know, kind of like the hoarding house example I give is you look at the hoarding house and you go, Oh my God, I can't clean that whole thing. Versus if you set a boundary right. to yourself that I'm just going to clean the front three steps today and get that done. Now we can add into the next one. So yeah. you're setting small little boundaries at a time. And those victories create momentum. Right. And it's, you know, the, the old saying is always drawing your line in the sand. When it comes to boundaries, do not draw lines in the sand. You know why? Because sand moves. Hmm. You have, this helps you stay consistent. You have to draw the line in concrete. There's no sand because sand moves and shifts. Yep. You can't put a house foundation down in sand because you're eventually going to be in the ocean because it's going to move. So draw in concrete so that you 
visually can feel it sticks. Yeah, grandmother taking the 10, 959 phone call. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I used to tell my grandmother, why do you answer the phone? And she <laughs> just said, because the phone rings doesn't well, she mean would you be have like, to Because it. it's not 10. And she was trying. Yeah. I'm like, oh, girl. <laughs> um, keep, um, keep your emotions into the response mode versus the reaction mode. So, you know, don't, don't try to set your boundaries when you're resentful, angry, lonely, yeah. tired, hungry, because they're usually going to be those other four things I've already said are going to go because they're coming from a place. That's not the reality. It's just coming right. from that momentary reaction, which is emotional because responses come from logic. And if it comes from that emotional space of just being like, I'm angry, it's not going to work. Um, reset your boundaries. People often think that if they've messed up or if they haven't kept them right, that they have to be like, oh, I did a bad thing. Reset no. your boundaries. If they're not working for you and you've overcommitted or you've undercommitted or you've done too much, whatever it is, reset them, make it, make a change so you can modify them when they're not working for you. And maybe you need to baby step them more, or maybe you need to big step them more. Maybe they're just not enough. Right. Um, be realistic always mm -hmm. my three R's realistic, rational, and reasonable. So, cause when people set those unrealistic boundaries, um, you you're, it's a setup for expectation, failure, and disappointment because people inevitably are going to cross you over and then make you feel bad. And then you're going to feel like you failed. So you have to be super realistic. What is reasonable as a boundary and start with those. And then my last one I had was, you know, don't be discouraged by setbacks. People, often ask me, how long will this take for it to work? <laughs> Again, your favorite thing, I don't know. It always yeah. comes full circle. <laughs> it's not I, my it, favorite it, thing. Well, it, and yeah. it really, I don't ever say I don't know. I say it depends. Yeah. Because everybody's different. Psychology works very different for everybody. But, but setbacks are often occurring because it's teaching you how to do it better. So failure has to happen. Failure or it not working has to happen so that you have to have a conversation right. maybe with this person about the boundary that you didn't have before. Maybe you put the boundary there, but it didn't have any other context. So they're not understanding it. So you have to right. say, I'm putting this there so that um, it's clear when you have someone in your life that crosses your boundaries over and over again, just because you put a boundary down doesn't mean that they're going to maintain the boundary. You have to be their reminder you have to be able to say, remember when I told you that I wasn't going to be able to do those things on whatever, or that I wouldn't be able to commit to that. Mm -hmm. That's one of those places where, so you're, so you're able to not only adjust, but you're able to take the, the, um, the setback of something and not allow it to happen. I think one of the, before I get ready to end, I think one of the things came up, it comes up all the time. And I was just talking to a colleague about this, um, going to females again, hmm. females, um, <laughs> is that we as a gender commonly, not always, commonly will just say yes to say yes, um, or we will say things and be strong and assertive and get then put down for being assertive. Um, and then, of course, either called a bitch or being aggressive or whatever, which wouldn't happen to a man. Or I made the reference to, you know, like a little over a year ago when I was doing something that was really self-advocating and helpful to something I was doing in an endeavor, um, the, a person, a male, came in and took my boundary and crossed over and used words 
and I quote, you know, um, you now you can go and know your place. Oh, I've got it from here. It's not a smart man. So when that kind of, <laughs> so now I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm a tough bird. So it landed on me, but what it did was it upset me for a second because it's a, it's a sexist thing, mm -hmm. but all, and I knew where it was coming from, but also it was like, Oh, I knew immediately that I needed to readjust my boundary to be on guard unfortunately, on guard more with particular persons, people, so that um, I'd be able to respond better because I didn't respond, yeah. which I regretted. I didn't react, which I regretted. I was more flabbergasted and shocked, which I shouldn't have been, which then, of course, afterwards, I was more upset about that <laughs> than the thing that was said to me. Yeah. Um, but having to readjust the tactic for my boundary of now I would anticipate that coming again, because now I know the, the context of yeah. that. Um, but that happens all the time. And so I'm just, you know, in my, in my field, I don't get that. But when I'm out in the world doing other kinds of things, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, I'm in like four different, five different different projects you have so many people and moving parts, you just never know what to expect. And when, you know, you have an insecure person come involved in front of you that you don't realize is quite as insecure and they have to do that to make themselves feel yeah. okay. You have to step back and realize, like you said, it's not personal. It is personal, but it's really not because it says more about them than it says right. about me. But it and you can't me have to reestablish a boundary of that will not happen again. And you can't know everything about everybody all right. the time. You run into a person randomly and they don't have, they don't have the common sense, even if they think that stupid thought to say that stupid thought. Right. And yeah. and unfortunately, people are very unfiltered. And then if you add alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes boundaries very squishy. So um, anyway, um, I just think that, you know, through my own personal examples and also practicing what I preach and making sure that people understand that I don't give anything out prescriptively for this stuff that I don't firmly believe in, has good science behind it. Everything I talked about today is got in the last three years has great science behind it across many good longitudinal studies about how to like really set good boundaries, what they're for and how to keep good things in versus keeping things away and detaching. Um, I think if you have that mindset, it works much better. Um, so this week I would ask people to just, you know, practice like a baby step of, you know, where assess, where do you feel like you really need to have a better boundary and really practice it. And, um, when you feel challenged that someone doesn't like it or they feel like they're going to challenge you back and give you crap about it, you know, try to really sit with the uncomfortability of it, knowing that if a person's going to love you and be there for you, they're still going to be there despite if they're not, they weren't supposed to be there. And that's really a truism. I think that if Pearson, if a person's upset because you said no, or you said, I can't, or that's not acceptable and don't talk to me that way. Yeah. That's probably a, a hand wash moment, but oftentimes that's an in the moment reaction too, right? Because it, it struck a personal code. It look it feels personal to them until they right. have a chance to process it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So before in the show, because we had a very lengthy show today, hopefully everyone enjoyed that and got some good stuff from it. Um, thank you for all the listeners that were here today. Um, we might possibly, more than likely, have a really cool show coming this weekend live from the beach 
north of um, where I'm at now yeah. um, with a special guest that we are setting up. And please look for your live notifications because it will likely be Saturday at this juncture because Lou and I have just talked about it. I just have to yep. talk to my my guest. <laughs> um, and we are, we are going to be excited because we're going to have a nice long Special chat. edition, yeah. It's a special edition. I think we're going to go live, hopefully, if it all works out. But Lou will definitely... Um, start pinging some advertisement out there for it to make sure. And um, is there a possibility that, you know, people besides um, chiming in on the side, maybe having any kind of call-ins or anything like that, or we can do that. Right. So maybe we will talk about that, but I, we'll see, but we will let everyone know because it will be a special edition this weekend going live um, from Agunquit, Maine, live on the lovely beach of Agunquit. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend here. Ooh, yeah. And, um, It'll be a first Cornerstone test of pizza. us doing this together. What? You got to go to Cornerstone Pizza. I, I don't need pizza because it makes me feel terrible. Might be the best if, pizza I've ever had. I, does it have gluten-free? I think they do, yeah. Okay. As a matter of fact. I, I told you two weeks ago I had a piece of pizza. In a bug. And yeah. it did not like me. Just like bagels. And if Maria's listening, my friend Maria, who knows me, knows I suffered because I ate a stupid piece of pizza. I they suffered did, for like 24 hours. Do you think they have gluten-free though? Makes me want to throw yeah. up. Yeah. On that note. Yep. On that note. That's time um, for You guys have. So pay attention for the notification for a Saturday show, which is probably going to be live and it's going to be fun. So make sure you. Yes, yeah, so it'll be live. It'll be fun. It will be more likely in the evening, right before you all go out to do whatever you're going to do for the evening. Maybe. 5 36 o'clock at night but lou will get it out there shortly and um it will not be about this stuff it's going to be about um empowerment and um love and kindness and compassion and just being in good um good mental health space in general and our stories and it's it's good it will be fun and this will be a two-part series because we'll have another one coming with the same exact person um in a month or two following. So I'm excited about it. So I don't want to give too much away, but yay. All right, you guys have a really fantastic week and go set good boundaries for yourselves and, and, and be happy. All right.